The following program is sponsored by Fairly Spiritual on KCIS. Well, hello, everyone. This is Dr. Doug Bursch, and you are listening to The Fairly Spiritual Show. I want you to know that right now I'm broadcasting this show from the back seat of my Kia Sorento in front of our house. Why, you say? Well, I'll tell you why. These are crazy times, and we're all doing crazy stuff in order to survive. On today's show, we're going to talk about some survival techniques, and one of the biggest ones is how do you survive online? Right now, we're doing a lot of online communication. How do we have healthy online communication that doesn't make us feel even worse? On today's Fairly Spiritual Show, please join me. So glad you could join me. Before I explain why I'm broadcasting from the back seat of a Kia Sereno in uh, the front yard or in the driveway, I'll give you the number to text the show. Uh, you can just text, just a text, you know, just hey Doug. Things are crazy where we are too. Here's the number 360 818 4513. 360 818 4513. That's 360 818 4513. Uh, I think we're only going to be doing the show two more weeks and uh, be ending it in March. Uh, just you know, with the way things are financially, it seems best for us to spend our energies on some other things. Sorry about that. I'll still be doing the podcast, but as far as the radio show, uh, I'll be ending it at the end of this month. Podcast will still continue on a weekly basis. But you can text me, 360-818-4513. I so much appreciate all the encouragement, the support, all the different ways you've been helping it really is appreciated. Uh, you can go to the website, fairlyspiritual.org, to find out more information as we move forward. But uh, like uh, many of you, uh, things are crazy. And and I, I want to just say this up front. Um, you know, I, I'm, I think everybody gets to share where they're at. I certainly know people are in far worse places, worse conditions. I'm just sharing my story because I think it's good to talk. So I, I don't think it's healthy when we are like, well, you can't complain or share anything because people have it worse than you. Well, a, a healthy family, a healthy community, everybody gets to share their stories. I I, I certainly think even healthy I, people who are dealing with really difficult things who are healthy, mentally healthy, you know, spiritually healthy, they don't mind other people sharing their stories. In fact, sometimes those stories take their mind off of the really difficult things they're going through. Now, I don't think it's appropriate for me to share things and say, oh, my life is so terrible compared to everybody else. I, I need to have context. But we're all just sharing what's going on, right? We're in the in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, we're living day to day. Uh, if you're like me, or, or you know, some people want to talk about things all the time. That's how they find peace. Others are like, I'm sick of it. I don't want to talk about anything. I just got to live daily. I don't know how long this is going to last. Uh, some of you are looking at uh, data where it's like, man, this is going to last a long time. Others are hopeful. Like, well, maybe it won't. And others, I can't even think about that. I just got to live today. There's so much going on. It can truly be overwhelming. So uh, at a practical level, what's one of the strengths of my life? Well, we're isolating ourselves with social isolation, but I still got a lot of family. got four kids and they're all back in the house. And uh, uh, even uh, we have a a boyfriend who's also here. And so we have a a, a tiny rambler. It's not an apartment, so it's bigger than an apartment, but it ain't big. And so they're all in the house. 
Uh, I don't have a church building to go to, a church office to meet at, so I record my show from home. And uh, we, you know, we had our uh, church we used to be at that uh, we rented, and we could no longer do that. Now we're a set-up, tear-down church. We did that for a few weeks, and we can't meet there, you know, where we shouldn't meet there because of what's going on with this pandemic. And so this is where I'm at. Uh, there's no other place to go. As many of you know, you're in the same place. There's no other place to go. And so I had an option. I could tell everyone in the house to be super quiet as dad's recording, or I could just go out into the Kia Sorento, which, by the way, has pretty good sound out here. And uh, I don't know if that's a selling point, a great place to do radio broadcast and podcast, but they should. They should say that. Um, but anyway, so I just came out here this morning. I'm letting them all have a sense of normalcy because I don't I, I don't want to be. It's tough, right? We got the kids. I got two kids, one kid in high school, one kid in middle school, two in college. Uh, one just graduated. This is her final you know, quarter, she's graduating early and it's just ridiculous, right? It's just absurd. And they're all making the best of it. Now, for some of you, you're saying, well, that's a great problem to have, Doug. Um, but I'm home alone and this is tough. And, and you're even saying it graciously, right? Sorry to put words in your mouth. You might be saying something entirely different, but wherever you're at, I, I we, we, we all get this, right? We're all trying and, and blessings to you and peace to you. And, uh, and, and, you know, I could just say, I'm sorry, as, as you say, you're sorry. I've, I've, I'm concerned for you. I hope you're concerned for me. I know for me, uh, I, I get, you know, my wife handles just things better. She's just kind of the, you know, take things as they come. I, uh, you know, have just kind of had those just impending doom feelings, you know, those, and they're just feelings. I'm not trying to be a prophet here. I just get those feelings when like, you know, I get claustrophobic I get that feeling of just, uh, you know, just uh, low-grade depression, low-grade anxiety. And please don't send me a text telling me some scripture. Uh, just don't do that because feelings are just feelings. They're just a feeling. And I don't live according to the flesh. I live according to the spirit. So regardless of how I feel, I, I live according to God leading me. But it's tough, right? Because, you know, to me, I want to figure things out, plan things out, strategize things. And you can't. You can't do that. Uh, you make some plans. You take next steps, but there's a lot of things outside your control. So here I am, and I thought, well, how can we best use this time? And I thought I'd do this with you. I have a book that's going to be published in November. I, it might not be with all the things going on. They, they might push that back. Who knows? My publishers might call me and, and delay it or cancel it. I don't know. Um, but right now it's being edited by my editor. There'll be revisions made. But it's all about how we communicate through social media. And I think that's fascinating. The book's going to be on social media, and I'm probably going to have to make some revisions based on what's happening right now. But everyone uh, who's at home, we don't have many options. We can just kind of be isolated uh, with our families or with ourselves or with our hobbies, or we can go online. And going online isn't necessarily the best thing right now because you, you can't escape some things. Uh, but, you know, I thought maybe this would be good to maybe share some just some big general things about the online world some of the stuff uh, from my research. And so I just want to share with you some of the, the things that we might want to look out for while we're online. Um, and just to be aware of why maybe you get this feeling sometimes. You're like, oh, this is kind of a yucky feeling. Or uh, just some of the, the problems with the online community, the problems with social media. And as you're aware of those problems, 
then it might help you on how you communicate and what you expect from your online communication. And when I'm saying problems, it's not like, oh, it's a terrible technology and you don't want to be on it. Just problems that are indicative of the medium itself. We need to understand that all mediums, and a medium is anything like, like radio is a medium, a new way of communicating information. Television is a medium. Uh, social media, the internet is a medium. Uh, the printing press, books, a medium. And we've sometimes had this idea that the message, we have a message, like the message is, uh, you know, God is good. And then we just share the message through different mediums. We share the message through books. We share it through the radio. We share it through television. We share it through podcasts. We share it through the internet and social media. And we say the message doesn't change. The mediums change. But that's not quite true. Now, it's true that God is good. But what happens is mediums change our messaging. They change the way we respond to messages. They change the way we perceive messages. They change the way we communicate, and they change us. In fact, uh, there was a um, basically a, me- a technologist by the name of Marshall McLuhan who, who coined the phrase, the medium is the message, that the medium itself forms us. It changes the way we communicate and how we communicate. Uh, Neil Postman, who was talking about television, said this about me- uh, any medium. He said, my argument is limited to saying that a major new medium changes the structure of discourse. It does so by encouraging certain uses of the intellect, by favoring certain definitions of intelligence and wisdom, and by demanding a certain kind of content in a phrase by creating new forms of truth-telling. So he was writing about television, but it's certainly true of the Internet as well. It, it creates new forms of truth-telling, new ways of how we communicate uh, what we communicate, and how we communicate. I can ex- express this of how uh, the mediums change how we communicate and actually frustrate things. Uh, my wife and I, when we were dating, uh, we used to find that we'd fight on the phone all the time. We were you know, 18 and dating, and in person we were all lovey-dovey. Lovey-dovey, that's probably a bad word, but I'm going to use it, lovey-dovey. And then on the phone we'd fight. Well, one of the reasons we found out that we'd fight on the phone is I'm a pretty verbal person, but my wife, especially at that time, was less verbal. And so she would not do a lot of, you know, talking. Or when she'd talk, it would be a few words. And she'd express things through other things. She'd express things through her facial expressions, through a smile, through a nod. So if I'd say, are you okay? And she'd say, yes. But she wouldn't do a lot of tone inflection. So I had to figure out if uh, the yes was uh, with a smile, the yes was with a frown, The yes was with a, uh, you know, just the way a turn of the head. Well, when we were on the phone, uh, the problem with this yes was that I couldn't tell if she was upset or she was happy or she was mad or she was concerned because on the phone, I couldn't see any of those inflections. I couldn't see any of those expressions. I couldn't see her face. And because I couldn't see her face, uh, then there was a conflict. So the reason we were fighting on the phone was not because we had more conflict on the phone. It was the medium of the phone itself. The phone was causing conflict in our marriage. Our marriage, actually we weren't married at the time. Our phone was causing conflict in our attempt to eventually be married someday because the medium was keeping us from communicating in a way where I could see all the nuanced ways that my wife would show that things are okay. Or it was exaggerating my 
what is it? My neurosis where I need to look for all these other ways to show that things are right. I need to see how, do, what do her eyes look like? And what does her mouth look like? And, and what does her posture look like? And is, is she happy with me? Is she not happy with me? So all those cues were gone. And all I would just hear is a word. And she'd say, fine. And when she said, fine, if I'm insecure, I'd read all these things into that fine. And all I had was that word on the other side of the phone. Well, we see that with texting as well. If you just see one word, it says fine. And you can read all those insecurities into that. Well, you can see where I'm going with this. This is our concern with social media because the danger with social media is it limits uh, uh, some of the ways that we communicate. And so we can't necessarily see people or see interactions in their fullness. So I want to just give you a list of some of the ways that social media frustrates our communication and makes things difficult. And this might help you with some of the conflicts you've been having, some of the ways you've been struggling with interacting with people on Facebook or Twitter, or even interacting with them on the phone. Uh, one of the struggles with um, social media is it's a discarnate platform. You know, Christ came incarnate in the flesh. He dwelt with us. It's a discarnate platform in that we don't abide with people in the flesh, in the room. And when we don't abide with people in the flesh, in the room, we can't fully use our senses. For instance, uh, online, we often talk with people through writing. And when we write, uh, we use our left brain. Written communication is more geared to left brain processing. And written communication is more sequential, logical, and analytical. The problem with left brain uh, communication is it, it limits right brain communication. And right brain communication focuses more on the nonverbal, the emotional cues, the facial expressions. So again, you're writing back and forth to someone and we just kind of are using one part of our brain. It's not like we're even trying to have a fight, but it's just more activating one part of our brain as we're reading these words and writing back. And it cuts us off from our right side of the brain. I know this is kind of an exaggerated form of left brain and right brain, but it does keep us from those big picture thinking, from that emotional expression, from being able to see those emotional cues, from being able to recognize things that are going on. In fact, you know, in our church, I've often told leaders that I don't want us to deal with conflict over email because in email, you read into things. Like if I write something like, make sure you turn off the lights before you leave the room. Well, if they think I'm mad at them, they read, make sure you turn off the lights before you leave the room. But if we have a, they think it's a good relationship, they'll just think I'm saying, hey, make sure you turn off the lights before you leave the room. They will read an intonation, an inflection into those words uh, based on how they think things are going. Well, written communication does not include um, as much of that right brain processing. And left brain is much more just in the intellectual, the, the intellect, the detail, just what's being said. It's not how it's being said. And that's why you get lots of conflict through um, social media. Because when we have conflict, we start writing and we start arguing through our words. Also, one of the struggles with uh, social media is it's detached communication. We're never really present with the people we're talking to. Uh, we're never, and, and I'll just share it this way. It's, it's not like, uh, think of oral uh, communities versus written communities. Like before people wrote down anything, uh, think about people gathering around the campfire uh, and they're just uh, talking to one another, telling stories. Everyone is present. Uh, oral com communities, oral societies versus written language societies, societies where you've written things down. Uh, when you write things down, it creates distance. 
When you can only communicate things in an oral expression, it creates community. In fact, oral societies before things were written down were communal societies where people draw closer. And you have to draw closer because you can only communicate things through being in the room with that person, through interacting. And as you're interacting, you're, there's always two people both involved. In written communication, someone can be separate. Like on their own, they write something by themselves, alone. And then they send it to the other person. And that person by themselves alone reads it, writes something, and then sends it to the other person. And it goes back and forth. And although we say, oh, we're together, we're actually alone in our communication. Each person is writing something alone in their communication. And that alone, the fact that we're each writing alone in our communication, can create a distance. Linguist Walter Jason, excuse me, Walter Jackson Ong uh, wrote this, and I think this is a great quote. He said, oral communication unites people in groups. Writing and reading are solitary activities that throw the psyche back on itself. In other words, and this is my summary, written communication creates more relational distance, separation, and isolation than oral communication. Ong writes, spoken words are always modifications of a total situation, which is more than verbal. They never occur alone in a context simply of words. So in the room, when you're talking with someone, it's never just about the words. There's always something more going on. And you know that there's more, there's something with the eyes, there's something with the feeling, the tone, the, even with a relationship. And this is such a struggle as we can't even like hug people. There's, there's other things being communicated and expressed. There's a duality that both people are the room of people are all interacting at the same time. But that doesn't occur when one person by themselves is writing something and then they send and the other person writes something and they send or you wait with a dot, 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 dot as the person's typing something and then the dot, 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 and they type something. We just need to be aware of that, that that social media communication creates a distance. Another reason we have conflict through social media is social media creates a lack of empathy. Studies have shown that people actually, when you make eye contact, it creates empathy. And children who didn't get eye contact when they were young struggle with empathy. Like babies who didn't get a lot of eye contact struggle with empathy. And they're even doing studies that empathy for younger generations versus older generation is waning uh, because we're spending so much time looking at screens instead of looking each other in the eyes. And, and that makes sense, right? When, when you learn from the very beginning to look at people's eyes and to see how your words affect their eyes, and if your words make them sad or your words make them angry or your words confuse them or your words hurt, there's something in looking at someone's face and seeing their eyes, it, it, it informs you and it creates an empathy in, on how you communicate and what you communicate. But when there's that detachment, we have less empathy. And we see that. We see that even, you know, when, when we're, when, when, when we don't have, when we don't see someone, you know, face to face, we begin to dehumanize them. And, and that's another big issue that happens with social media. There becomes this dehumanizing quality. It's kind of like when you're driving in your car and there's someone, a stranger in the car over there. They're not, they're not another person. They're just someone who cut you off on the road and we feel like we can treat them maybe in a different way than we'd treat them if they were in the car with us. There's a dehumanizing reality to social media. Now you're saying, oh, Doug, this is all very depressing. Why would you share all this? Well, I want to share this. A lot of us are going online right now and we just need to be aware of that. 
We need to be aware of all these things. It's not that people are bad people or they're mean people or everybody's just trying to fight. The technology itself causes polarization. The technology itself causes dividedness. We get confused because we can't read the intonations. We can't, if we're insecure, if we're angry. And by the way, right now, everybody's really fearful. And sometimes when we're fearful, we have misplaced fear. And so we direct our fear towards others and, and we get offended. Like, what do you mean by that? Well, someone might have just wrote something just kind of politely. But if we're in a fearful place, we read those words as if they're angry, if they're accusations. Uh, we don't get the intonations. We're not in the room with the person. Uh, we don't know. The person might not be able to read that we're upset and anxious. If they saw that we're shaking and angry and nervous, they probably wouldn't even talk about that issue. But they don't know what's going on because they're in another room. They're in a, you know, it's not an incarnate situation where we're both in the room. And so all those divides occur. They can't see how we are. We can't see how they are. They can't see the effect of their words on us. We can't see the effect of our words on them because we're in different rooms. Sometimes we treat people differently and it becomes more of a, a dehumanizing thing. They're like somebody in a car next to us. All those things occur. And it's not about who you are and it's not about who they are. It's just about the technology. So I want to remind you in this season to put into practice the words of 2 Corinthians 5.18. The Apostle Paul says, Now all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. I want to remind you that your task and my task in any environment is to engage in the ministry of reconciliation. And that means in any communication, in any conversation, and particularly many of our conversations and communications online are to be reconcilers. That's what we're called to be. To communicate in ways that people are brought closer to the love, the grace, the goodness, the truth, the kindness of God. That they are brought close to God. That they are brought close to the reconciling love of God. And not only that they are brought close to the reconciling love of God, but that we are breaking down any dividing walls of hostility between each other. Uh, my wife and I were talking about this this morning, and one of the things she said, she has a friend that does this, and I thought this was just such a great example. And she said one of her friends does a really good job of just saying things like, just asking for perspective, like, um, uh, can you clarify what you meant by that? That sounds like such a simple thing, but it's so needed that sometimes we make assumptions. You know, someone writes something and it seems a little snarky, seems a little judgmental. And so she'll just write something like, can you clarify what you meant by that? And then you can tell someone can write something that's even more snarky and you realize, yeah, this person's kind of being a jerk. And then you got to figure out what to do with that. Or they can write something and you realize, oh, they didn't mean to be harsh or mean or rude. It, it's just this communication is awkward and we're all trying our best. So maybe assume because this technology is kind of depersonalizing because this technology does only work with, you know, parts of our brain, parts of our senses, uh, I would encourage you to be creative. Like one of the things I would encourage you to do, you know, sometimes we make fun of selfies, but one of the reasons people post pictures is pictures engage a different part of the brain. So maybe you've been posting a lot of words. Maybe just post a picture of you smiling or maybe post a picture of you with your, your spouse and just wave hi and say, we love you, or just another way to let people know there's something else going on so they can see your face and see, okay, he's okay or she's okay or, you know, they're with me, they're for me. I remember I was having a conflict with someone where there's a lot of misunderstanding and they were concerned about how we viewed them and they were concerned 
if my wife and I were okay with them. And we just took a picture of us smiling and we sent it to them to let them know that that's how we viewed them. And even if our words weren't getting through, we wanted them to know that we were at peace with them and we love them. Maybe find some other ways to express things. Maybe, although you just text, maybe they need to hear your voice. So maybe say, let's just talk so we can hear each other's voice. Maybe there's some other ways you can express things with people. I know these are difficult times. I pray peace upon people who are full of anxiety. You don't feel shame or judge for your anxiety, but I pray peace for you. And some of us do need boundaries where you need to get offline and just spend some time in the word or in prayer or just taking deep breaths and trusting the Lord. Wherever you're at, know that God is good and that God loves you dearly. He knows you by name. And we can walk through this together. You're not alone. Many people feel the way you feel. And God is still good. And God is still with you. I dearly love you. I thank you for taking this time to listen to what God put on my heart. I hope you are blessed and encouraged. All right. Hey, if you want to text me, you can do this. 360-818-4513. That's 360-818-4513. 360-818-4513. You can also go to the website, fairlyspiritual.org. I got a newsletter you can subscribe to there. Uh, just go there and click on the newsletter link and you'll get a newsletter from me. Hey, that's fun. More stuff to not read. Go to fairlyspiritual.org. Make room for the Lord. He knows you by name. He loves you dearly. I'm going to see you next week. All right. Proceeding broadcast was sponsored by Fairly Spiritual. When you write or call this program, be sure to mention you heard it on KCIS.